Section five of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac. Translated by Archibald Lovell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three of his conversation with the viceroy of new france and of the system of this universe when i was going to bed at night he came into my chamber and spoke to me to this purpose i should not have come to disturb your rest had i not thought that one who hath found out the secret of travelling so far in twelve hours space had likewise a charm against lassitude but you know not added he what a pleasant quarrel i have just now had with our fathers upon your account they'll have you absolutely to be a magician and the greatest favour you can expect from them is to be reckoned only an impostor the truth is that motion which you attribute to the earth is a pretty nice paradox and for my part i'll frankly tell you that that which hinders me from being of your opinion is that though you parted yesterday from paris yet you might have arrived to-day in this country without the earth's turning for the sun having drawn you up by the means of your bottles ought he not to have brought you hither since according to ptolemy and the modern philosophers he marches obliquely as you make the earth to move and besides what great probability have you to imagine that the sun is immovable when we see it go and what appearance is there that the earth turns with so great rapidity when we feel it firm under our feet sir replied i to him these are in a manner the reasons that oblige us to think so in the first place it is consonant to common sense to think that the sun is placed in the centre of the universe seeing all bodies in nature standing in need of that radical heat it is fit he should reside in the heart of the kingdom that he may be in a condition readily to supply the necessities of every part and that the cause of generation should be placed in the middle of all bodies that it may act there with greater equality and ease after the same manner as wise nature hath placed the seeds in the centre of apples the kernels in the middle of their fruits and in the same manner as the onion under the cover of so many coats that encompass it preserves that precious bud from which millions of others are to have their being for an apple is in itself a little universe the seed hotter than the other parts thereof is its sun which diffuses about itself that natural heat which preserves its globe and in the onion the germ is the little sun of that little world which vivifies and nourishes the vegetative salt of that little mass having laid down this then for a ground i say that the earth standing in need of the light heat and influence of this great fire it turns round it that it may receive in all parts alike that virtue which keeps it in being for it would be as ridiculous to think that that vast luminous body turned about a point that it has not the least need of as to imagine that when we see a roasted lark that the kitchen fire must have turned round it else were it the part of the sun to do that drudgery it would seem that the physician stood in need of the patient that the strong should yield to the weak the superior serve the inferior and that the ship did not sail about the land but the land about the ship now if you cannot easily conceive how so ponderous a body can move pray tell me are the stars and heavens which in your opinion are so solid any way lighter 
besides it is not so difficult for us who are assured of the roundness of the earth to infer its motion from its figure but why do ye suppose the heaven to be round seeing you cannot know it and that yet if it hath not this figure it is impossible it can move i object not to you your eccentrics nor epicycles which you cannot explain but very confusedly and which are out of doors in my system let's reflect only on the natural causes of that motion to make good your hypothesis you are forced to have recourse to spirits or intelligences that move and govern your spheres but for my part without disturbing the repose of the supreme being who without doubt hath made nature entirely perfect and whose wisdom ought so to have completed her that being perfect in one thing she should not have been defective in another i say that the beams and influences of the sun darting circularly upon the earth make it to turn as with a turn of the hand we make a globe to move or which is much the same that the steams which continually evaporate from that side of it which the sun shines upon being reverberated by the cold of the middle region rebound upon it and striking obliquely do of necessity make it whirl about in that manner the explication of the other motions is less perplexed still for pray consider a little at these words the viceroy interrupted me i had rather said he you would excuse yourself from that trouble for i have read some books of gassendus on that subject and hear what one of our fathers who maintained your opinion one day answered me really said he i fancy that the earth does move not for the reasons alleged by copernicus but because hell-fire being shut up in the centre of the earth the damned who make a great bustle to avoid its flames scramble up to the vault as far as they can from them and so make the earth to turn as a turnspit makes the wheel go round when he runs about in it we applauded that thought as being a pure effect of the zeal of that good father and then the viceroy told me that he much wondered how the system of ptolemy being so improbable should have been so universally received sir said i to him most part of men who judge of all things by the senses have suffered themselves to be persuaded by their eyes and as he who sails along a shore thinks the ship immovable and the land in motion even so men turning with the earth round the sun have thought that it was the sun that moved about them to this may be added the unsupportable pride of mankind who persuade themselves that nature hath only been made for them as if it were likely that the sun a vast body four hundred and thirty-four times bigger than the earth had only been kindled to ripen their medlars and plumpen their cabbage for my part i am so far from complying with their insolence that i believe the planets are worlds about the sun and that the fixed stars are also suns which have planets about them that's to say worlds which because of their smallness and that their borrowed light cannot reach us are not discernible by men in this world for in good earnest how can it be imagined that such spacious globes are no more but vast deserts and that ours because we live in it hath been framed for the habitation of a dozen of proud dandiprats how must it be said because the sun measures our days and years that it hath only been made to keep us from running our heads against the walls no no if that visible deity shine upon man it's by accident 
as the king's flamboy by accident lightens a porter that walks along the street but said he to me if as you affirm the fixed stars be so many suns it will follow that the world is infinite seeing it is probable that the people of that world which moves about that fixed star you take for a sun discover above themselves other fixed stars which we cannot perceive from hence and so others in that manner in infinitum never question replied i but as god could create the soul immortal he could also make the world infinite if so it be that eternity is nothing else but an illimited duration and an infinite a boundless extension and then god himself would be finite supposing the world not to be infinite seeing he cannot be where nothing is and that he could not increase the greatness of the world without adding somewhat to his own being by beginning to exist where he did not exist before we must believe then that as from hence we see saturn and jupiter if we were in either of the two we should discover a great many worlds which we perceive not and that the universe extends so in infinitum i faith replied he when you have said all you can i cannot at all comprehend that infinitude good now replied i to him do you comprehend the nothing that is beyond it not at all for when you think of that nothing you imagine it at least to be like wind or air and that is a being but if you conceive not an infinite in general you comprehend it at least in particulars seeing it is not difficult to fancy to ourselves beyond the earth air and fire which we see other air and other earth and other fire now infinitude is nothing else but a boundless series of all these but if you ask me how these worlds have been made seeing holy scripture speaks only of one that god made my answer is that i have no more to say for to oblige me to give a reason for everything that comes into my imagination is to stop my mouth and make me confess that in things of that nature my reason shall always stoop to faith he ingeniously acknowledged to me that his question was to be censured but bid me pursue my notion so that i went on and told him that all the other worlds which are not seen or but imperfectly believed are no more but the scum that purges out of the suns for how could these great fires subsist without some matter that served them for fuel now as the fire drives from it the ashes that would stifle it or the gold in a crucible separates from the marquisite and dross and is refined to the highest standard nay and as our stomach discharges itself by vomit of the crudities that oppress it even so these suns daily evacuate and reject the remains of matter that might incommode their fire but when they have wholly consumed that matter which entertains them you are not to doubt but they spread themselves abroad on all sides to seek for fresh fuel and fasten upon the worlds which heretofore they have made and particularly upon those that are nearest then these great fires reconcocting all the bodies will as formerly force them out again pell-mell from all parts and being by little and little purified they'll begin to serve for suns to other little worlds which they procreate by driving them out of their spheres and that without doubt made the pythagoreans foretell the universal conflagration 
this is no ridiculous imagination for new france where we are gives us a very convincing instance of it the vast continent of america is one half of the earth which in spite of our predecessors who a thousand times had cruised the ocean was not at that time discovered nor indeed was it then in being no more than a great many islands peninsules and mountains that have since started up in our globe when the sun purged out its excrements to a convenient distance and of a sufficient gravity to be attracted by the centre of our world either in small particles perhaps or it may be also altogether in one lump that is not so unreasonable but that saint austin would have applauded to it if that country had been discovered in his age seeing that great man who had a very clear wit assures us that in his time the earth was flat like the floor of an oven and that it floated upon the water like the half of an orange but if ever i have the honour to see you in france i'll make you observe by means of a most excellent telescope, that some obscurities which from hence appear to be spots are worlds are forming my eyes that shut with this discourse obliged the viceroy to withdraw End of chapter 3